And the Super Tailgate broadcast tour continues here. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. We are at Bet Rivers Casino here in Portsmouth. We're in the uh, sports book right now at Rivers Casino. Uh, sports betting live shows, amazing restaurants, table games, slots. Join us here today at Rivers Casino, Portsmouth, Virginia, premier gaming, dining, and entertainment destination. We'll be here till 7 o'clock. You want to come out and say hello? You can obviously put a bet on the big game Sunday here. Uh, you can put on bets tonight, too. We've got all kinds of college football, NBA action, NHL, if you choose uh, to look at as well. So we'll go through uh, some of the uh, props for the Super Bowl later on. On the show, we got uh, big game bets to get to in the 6 o'clock hour. This hour here in football at 4, um, we will uh, visit with Wood Seelig on all this college suing and lawsuits and all this fun stuff. Uh, when he joins us around 4.45-ish, we'll do that at that point. Uh, but let's get to this. Eric Bieniemy, the former, now former, Washington Redskins offense coordinator, Washington Commanders offense coordinator for one season, uh, has, you know, got some things to think about here. He could get paid for doing nothing for a year because he's got another year in his contract where he could try to find another opportunity. Right now, this was interesting today, Andy Reid sharing this, that Biennemi actually was with the Chiefs last week prior to the AFC Championship game, which makes sense. It was drivable for him at that point. He went up, visited with the team, uh, talked to the guys, hung out in our meetings, he says. uh, And according to Andy Reid, he is still up for a couple of jobs because, of course, people said, hey, why don't you – because we've seen this before, Super Bowl week's kind of late now. But normally, you know, teams will bring in people. Remember, Vic Fangio was brought in to the Eagles last year. Um, and then they had zero sacks in the Super Bowl. And then they hired him this year. But whatever. <laughs> uh, and now, you know, they're asking Reed, you know, what could the future be with Biennemi coming back to Kansas City? Um, and he said, you know, not, wasn't going to say anything about that right now because, you know, there is this thing called the season going on. But he did say he thinks he's got some options, a couple jobs that he's up for, and he thinks um, the future is still bright for Eric Bieniemy, although, you know, taking a bit of a gamble um, on going to Washington for a year with a rookie quarterback, essentially, with, in Sam Howell, and getting, you know, getting to do it his way, it just didn't, you know, there were some moments where you're like, oh, this could really work, this is really good. Mm-hmm. The two Eagles games come to mind, the Broncos second half or the second quarter on, but then there was just a lot of really bad performances, an uneven performance. The, yeah. the Giants, the two Giants games were bad. I mean, the protection um, – schemes too much passing it was just not balanced enough uh throughout the season i mean he was he was worse than andy reed in terms of throw like pass to run and you know all that being said this league you know if they like what you draw up like as we found out now with cliff kingsbury <laughs> you're gonna get another chance this is true and if you, if you buy into these dvoa kind of formulas and these you know, uh, these these things he break down. He was rated like the 11th best coordinator this year on offense. Um, and it doesn't – you go with outcome, but it's kind of like how the play should have worked and all these kind of things, um, which is obviously top third of the league. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some good stuff he did. I, like I said, I thought I liked the way he ran practice when we were up there during the offseason and the training camp. But, you know, it just I – don't, I don't know why they made them – why they decided – well, I do know why they did it. They should have allowed him to have the ability to play Brissett earlier, right? Like, they should yeah. have left yeah. it open to be a real competition or do something, you know, or, or at some point in the season when it looked like it was spiraling the other direction to pull the plug on that. Like, that, that's what they should have done instead of doing it the way they did it. Because, again, at the end of the year, as bad as things looked with Hal, two games Brissett came in. <laughs> they moved the ball right down the field that every single time. That they did. 
every single time. So I think I would show people that if I was Eric Bieniemy, you know, going to next year. Put on the brissette tape if you're looking for a job. Yeah. and then right. Don't worry about anything else. Watch the two Eagles what games. What happened the rest of the season? Nah, don't worry yeah. about it. Watch it's the fine. two Eagles games and then watch Brissett <laughs> playing in, in, in fourth quarters. But that was the interesting oh, thing. But, I mean, if you look at the – again, if you look at the Chiefs staff, right, um, right now with, with what they have. I, you know, people are saying, well, if Andy Reid retired – I don't see a replacement for Andy Reid on that staff. No. I don't, I don't see how you could go to the Nagy well after what happened with him and his shot. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I think you said the other day Spagnuolo, and I was like, eh. That's the only one that makes sense. That was the only one that sense to me. Right, right. But, but the more I think about it, I'd, I'd be more comfortable with that than, than one of these offensive guys who haven't done anything. I mean, he, he's had this weird thing where his offensive guys, and they leave him, are not nearly as good. Right. And, you know, part of that could be because Andy does a lot of it, right? I mean, he's kind of a dictator in that regard. You know, it's his, his thing. I mean, Dave Taub, who's a special teams coordinator, might actually be better suited to be a head coach for them than, than Spagnuolo or Matt Nagy. Oh, that would be something. Yeah, or any of the other guys in that staff. You know, we've talked about this over the this season with, you know, you look at Harbaugh. He's the one special teams coordinator that's really, you know, bis, you know it was really – Gone from special teams coordinator to head coach in the NFL. You have, um, you know, Bisacci a few years ago. Bisacci, Rich Bisacci, played, you know, did a nice job as the interim with the Raiders, but they never really took him seriously, which was probably a missed opportunity on their part. And, you know, they paid the price for it with the Josh McDaniels debacle. And now trying to clean it up with Antonio Pierce. But again, I, I, nobody thinks this way, these, these owners, but the special teams coordinator has more interaction with the entire roster than anybody else. Because you have to work with players from offense and defense, and you have to you know meet with everyone. Whereas the offensive guy just tanks with the offensive guy, defensive guy, defensive guy. You know, so I mean, they really are better suited to have a holistic picture of your roster and your team. I think what Tabor was able to do in Carolina. I mean, I realized yeah. Carolina was a yeah. dumpster fire. Right, that, right that's at the right. Same time, another one. Yeah, they looked a lot better with him yeah. as head coach than they did with Frank Reich. So no, I mean, no, no. he did a yeoman's job with what he had to work with. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Anyway, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. Well, that was interesting because I think the only NFL vacancy we decided yesterday, um, in terms of coordinator, because the Saints one is not f- official, official, but it is going to be Clint Kubiak. Yeah. From all these reports, is the is the Seahawks right? Is the only actual vacancy right now in terms of offensive coordinator. So if the enemy were to get another offensive coordinator, I mean that's really it. I mean, yeah, you'd have to Seattle. Jump on, yeah. Seattle's the only one that's left at this point. But interesting that he was hanging out with the Chiefs last week because that you know, seems to be the obvious route for him if he's going to um, come back, you know, if he's going to be back in the NFL next year. That would seem to be an obvious place for him to go. Right. Again, Mahomes has said nothing but we miss him, we need him. We, we need, he'd miss that element of him and the staff because he'll kick you in the ass. There's no question about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. There's no question about it. And I, and I think that has turned some folks off. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's kind of the way he likes to do it. And he makes you go back and do it again. He's not going to let you cut corners. And I think some of these veteran players, they don't like it. And that is certainly uh, was a part of it in Washington this year. But more, more importantly, you know, just the guys were – they had a terrible offensive line. And they, they just continued to pretend that they had the Chiefs, you know, offense. They were running it like the Chiefs, which made no sense to me. Like, you've got to protect your quarterback and protect your own defense, you know. You, you, know, slow, you know, slow the game down. Don't speed it up when you 
when you can't block anyone. Well, uh, the enemy certainly got the best out of Kadarius Tony. <laughs> he wasn't pulling all this stuff no. last year. Just by, saying. By the way, the fact that they're even saying there's a chance he'll play this, I mean, why would you do that? You've, you, there's no reason to have him active. I, I, I would, no reason. I'd be careful what I eat the night before the game if I were Kadarius Yeah, Tony. I would not have him active. Just <laughs> saying. That seems absolutely nuts. All right, come join us out here, uh, Rivers Casino, Bet River Sportsbook. You catch all the uh, action uh, today here on the big screens around us. It's the uh, Hampton Roads ultimate sports uh, spot to watch, uh, wager, and win here at uh, Rivers Casino in Portsmouth. That's where we're here today till 7. Uh, the Cowboys, you mentioned in the update, they have had the who's who of interesting candidates come through to replace one Dan Quinn. The latest is quite something. Uh, we'll get to that coming up next. Scott Jackson Show here, Priority Auto Sports Radio. 94.1, we are brought to you by Larry King Law. All right, we are brought to you by Larry King Law as the Super Tailgate Tour continues. Broadcast here today from Rivers Casino, your home for live sports and sports betting right here at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. That's where we are. We'll be here till 7. Uh, Rivers Casino, the only place to be on game day. Uh, we'll go through some of the numbers they have for us later on when it comes to Sunday's Super Bowl 58. We'll uh, dive into that. We were um, talking earlier about the uh, defenses of both of these uh, teams and how they may tip the scale one way or the other. The uh, Cowboys defense, of course, has a uh, hole to fill. They lost their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who's the new commander's coach. They'll see him twice a year. Uh, I did see today that Dan Quinn unsuccessfully was trying to uh, get an interview with Cowboys uh, tight ends coach Lunda Wells, who he's worked with for many years to be the offensive line coach at Washington. But the Cowboys have declined to allow him to do that interview. Wow. So, so the rivalry still, still matters. I guess so. Uh, but the Cowboys the other day interviewed Ron Rivera, who I really hope and pray, and I mean pray, uh, that they hire because I think it would be a good fit for them. Me their too. Defense, I think it would be a really good fit for their defense. Slides right in. Those five games he actually coached in his four-year period in Washington with the defense were <laughs> wonderful. Um, but anyway, so they're still looking, though. They had Rex Ryan in today, the um, ESPN personality, former you know, Ravens D coordinator, uh, Jets head coach with a couple AFC title games. Of course, son of Buddy Ryan, uh, brother of um, – brother of Rob and their other brother who just got fired in um, New York with uh, Wink Martindale. They don't know it yet, but they're going to go on one of those genetic shows and find out that he's actually the triplet that this, was this lost. to happen. That was lost at a hospital. But anyway, point being is Rex Ryan interesting. I mean, you know, he's been out of football for a bit, you know. I mean, Rex is um, he's been away from the game a while. Usually had pretty good defenses, though. Um, none of them are as good as Buddy. I mean, Buddy's defenses were phenomenal. Well, yeah. But Buddy's problem was, you know, his offenses weren't. And he was not good for offenses either. But Rex, you know, he had those two years. I mean, he got, listen, Mark Sanchez was his quarterback and got to the AFC Championship game twice. Yes, he was. I mean, there's got to be something there, right? I like his brother was in, in Washington for a couple of years on Gruden staff. And I actually find him to be quite amusing. Uh, <laughs> good dude. Uh, and he was, I think he was like the linebackers because he probably should have been the D coordinator. Well, given the fact yeah. of who the D coordinators were. And he had worked with Belichick for a while, too. Rob had. But, but Rex, I, did, I don't know. I think, you know, I think Rex looked kind of comfortable on TV, but I guess the, the coaching itch never quite goes away. 
You notice Jerry, too. Like, they don't bring in, like, just low-key, like, hey, this guy was, like, a linebacker's coach somewhere. I mean, it's, you know, it's Rex Ryan. It's Ron Rivera. Um, you know, it's, it's Mike Zimmer. You know, all former head coaches, uh, former coordinators. It's not just, like, some young up-and-comer. You know, Jerry, Jerry obviously has a type, right? He, he needs some star power. Uh, I suppose, with uh, whatever he's trying to do here. I can't believe you just used Star Power and Ron Rivera in the same <laughs> sentence. I didn't think you uh, were going to do that. Well, I mean, he has name. He was a coach of the year twice. He was a Super Bowl coach as well a long time ago. Um, I forgot, too, Rex Ryan was the Bills coach for two years. Yep. I know the Bills fans would rather me forget, forget that as well. Oh. Um, but anyway, yeah, and he was, you know, a guy who, you know, as a head coach, not really his thing. Coordinator, sure. I mean, that, that was his strength, was being the coordinator, more so than the head coach. But um, he was on that Ravens staff that um, beat, the, uh, beat the Giants in the Super Bowl, you know, with that ridiculously great Ravens defense. Uh, but he was, he was uh, a defensive line coach. He was not the coordinator at that point. Of course, that was uh, Marvin Lewis's defense. So, anyway, Rex, Rex Ryan, the latest person to, uh, you know, get interviewed for the Cowboys. I'm trying to think of like somebody else like with some cachet that they could interview next. Well, they could have gotten Leslie they could have interviewed Leslie yeah, Frazier. Leslie Frazier got hired away. I don't know, maybe they maybe they interview Mike Vrabel for the job. I know that's what their fans would like to see. I don't think Mike Vrabel's up for it. Yeah, I don't see that working. No, I don't either. What what would be more offensive if you're a Cowboys fan, hiring Rex Ryan or uh, Ron Rivera? I just wonder. I mean, Cowboy fans can answer Ooh, that at 757 687 9494 on text line or the uh, Valley Hoos phone line, 757 687 9494. I actually think Zimmer would be good for them. I mean, Zimmer had some, you know, when he was the D coordinator in Cincinnati, they were really good. He fits um, the mold. Yeah, he's, he's, he is, and, you know, they, he's an old school approach kind of guy. Now, maybe that doesn't play as a head coach as it did, didn't as time went on there in Minnesota. But I think as your D coordinator, uh, who's usually the, the, the butt kicker on the staff, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. But it is fascinating to me that, you know, they have not really looked from within. And maybe they will. I mean, at some point they've got a, you know, Al Harris is on the staff. It seemed like an obvious promotion to me. But, you know, what do I know? Maybe that's what they're going to do, but they want to do their due diligence first and kind of get some outside you know, outside opinion on it. So what you're saying is Jerry's trying to stay in the news cycle for as long as possible during Super Bowl week yes. until he eventually hires Al Harris. <laughs> well, he's been known to do that. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of that, but he has been known to do that. Anyway, so that's uh, the latest with, with the uh, Dallas situation. Now, I mentioned Vrabel a second ago. I saw this crazy story today. Uh, it was a note, really. It was a, kind of like a, hey, some GM or some executive said this about Mike Vrabel. One of the reasons, and this was from my Diane Rossini on The Athletic, one of the reasons they think Mike Vrabel did not get a job is he might be too intimidating yeah, I saw to that. some owners because he's such a large human being. I saw that. <laughs> so that made me laugh because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you, if you were easily intimidated, he could come off as an intimidating kind of figure. I would think that would be kind of to his advantage. If he, instead of being like a smaller guy, I don't know. So are we saying that he wasn't intimidating when he got the job in the first place? I, I, I'm not real sure. Uh, it's just kind of strange. Did he just become more intimidating as time went on? Yeah, I'm not real sh sure what that means. But, uh, you know, that's funny. Somebody would say that about the guy, that he was like, you know, too, too intimidating, too big. I mean, too, I guess he's too good a shape. Maybe he should stop lifting weights. I don't know. Like go on a <laughs> diet, like, you know, like try to lose like 50 pounds or something to be less 
of a football-looking coach kind of guy. I don't really understand that. But it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of tend to believe all the jobs that were open this year weren't looking for a coach to be in charge of personnel, and you know that's why he and Bill Belichick are hanging out on the sidelines this summer together, or this offseason together, I mean, I, this upcoming season. I kind of felt like that was probably the bigger flaw for both parties, right? Because they wanted to be in charge of everything. And teams don't, you know, GMs don't tend to want to give away that kind of stuff. Especially for, you know, in a situation of, of Rabel. I mean, he, he hasn't exactly knocked it out of the park the last two years, you know, in terms of what they were doing in Tennessee either. Right. They're really struggling, so. Very true. I'm not sure that that really is it, but it is funny to hear one GM hypothesize that could be an issue for him. Because that seems kind of petty. Well, not only that, I didn't have that on my reasons not to hire a coach bingo card. Right. Well, I mean, what, what about Rex? I mean, he's a pretty big guy. Is that going to freak some people out? I don't know. I, I, I think if I'm Dan Quinn, I take offense to that. Yeah, Dan Quinn's a pretty intimidating-looking guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's huge. He already apparently didn't scare off Josh Harris, who's very small. Although, are we seeing a pattern here? Mike Vrabel, Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. You know, because everybody said how intimidating Bianami is. Yeah. But Bianami's small. Like, like, that was one of the things that actually is funny because that was one of the hypotheses. In it. Well, he's too small. You know, he doesn't look like he's a little guy. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of portly. You know, he's too short. Like, really? I mean, if you can coach, you can coach, right? My, my wife's, Lou Holtz was my like wife the, is small. I wouldn't mess right. with her. Lou Holtz was like the, looked like the leprechaun mascot. He was so small. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it seemed like, you know, guys at Notre Dame kind of responded to him. I'm not really sure. Anyway. It was interesting theory on uh, Vrabel, but I, I, don't, I don't really believe it. It's uh, just weird. But, hey, I, I suppose anything's possible, right, to each his own. I think more so he maybe needs to step off the idea that he has to run the show uh, as the uh, personnel guy. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. Because, again, the guy he played for that is considered to be the greatest coach of his time couldn't get a gig because he's not giving that up or he's trying to hold on to that part of his job with his new place, which didn't help him in this coaching cycle either. So maybe that's really more so to it. Because, again, if you've got a, a fancy GM, they don't want to do that. You think John Schneider, after you know, having to live in the shadow of Pete Carroll, was looking to go out and, and hire a guy who was going to come in there and take all the power from him? No. <laughs> Hell no, he wasn't. No. I mean, you know, Adam Peters just got told he was the savior of the commanders. Is he going to come in and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and immediately hand over the, the, the roster control to, you know, Mike Vrabel or even Bill Belichick, you know, after I just got given this job? doesn't make any sense. Of course he's not. Like, you wouldn't do that. And, again, that formula, by the way, has not worked in the post-Tom Brady marriage in New England. So I don't. I can understand why teams are a little apprehensive about all that stuff. Yeah, Coach Centric really seems to be going the way of the dinosaur for sure. Right. And then in Washington, whew, what a disaster that was. They're well, sure as heck yeah. not going to do Coach Centric anytime soon. All right. 757-687-9494 if you want to hit us up via the text or the uh, Ballyhoo's phone line, 757-687-9494. I'm having internet connections. As I am know. I. Okay. All right. It wasn't just me. Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, our, uh, our hot spot is not so hot. We'll workshop that. <laughs> we'll try to workshop that during the break uh, and make that uh, work uh, at some point. But I was like, is it me? Is it the metal plate in my head that's causing interference <laughs> uh, to all this stuff? What is it? What is it? Somebody turn the microwave on? I'm not really sure. 
Uh, or is there like a, a, is it a casino rule? But I'm not sure. No, I think it's more of a, our equipment rule at this point. All right, here's what we're going to do. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Um, there is a very interesting uh, story today about how Madden, the video game, sees the Super Bowl. We'll dive into that. Uh, Wood Seelig will join us around 4.50-ish as well. A lot of things to get to in the world of college sports, including this Dartmouth lawsuit, uh, what this whole Tennessee-Virginia thing means with the recent ruling in the courts. And obviously, um, we've got uh, basketball on men's and women's side from Old Dominion tonight as well. Scott Jackson, show here, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. James Witham, Sky Your Sports Center. The Scott Jackson Show will return after this timeout on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. The Super Tailgate broadcast continue today as we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. We are out at Rivers Casino. You want to play some slots? Come by Rivers Casino. They've got you covered. Over 1,400 of today's newest and most popular slot machines, and it's easy to get here. It's just off... Uh, 264 and Victory Boulevard. We're inside the sports book. The Bet River Sports Book will be here till 7 o'clock. You want to come on out and see us? Uh, we will uh, go through some of the uh, lines here at Rivers Casino uh, at 6 o'clock when we get to our uh, big game bets for the week of uh, Super Bowl week, of course. Sunday, the big game finally. Right now, it's holding strong at 2 uh, for the 49ers in most places as uh, continue to kind of keep an eye on it and see if there's any fluctuation maybe by the weekend there could be some push uh we'll see all right uh what's he'll go join us here in a bit old dominion athletic director uh we'll talk to him about uh, all these lawsuits in college sports where it's headed everybody keeps saying the end is near it's going to change it's going to change uh, i guess if you keep saying it long enough it eventually will but um you know here we are still it's just lawsuit after lawsuit no no real end in sight at this point um so if you're wondering, like you're trying to figure out what to go with on the, on the uh, Super Bowl on Sunday, Super Bowl 58, Madden's NFL 24 had their official simulation game the other night. Uh-oh. Yeah. 49ers um, lost 30-28, to giving the Chiefs their second straight Lombardi trophy. This year, um, the simulation game um, has the Chiefs winning it. You might remember last year it had the Eagles uh, winning it. Matter of fact, Madden, you think the curse is the Madden cover. No, it's apparently the Madden simulation. <laughs> the last three Madden game simulations have been wrong. Uh, so I don't know if this is a bad omen for the Chiefs or not. Predicts Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. Uh, of course, he did win the real-life real MVP last year. Um, also, um, you know, they missed out. They had the Bengals beating the Rams. They also had the Chiefs losing um, to the Eagles last year and then Three years prior to that, they had the Chiefs beating the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl that Tampa and Tom Brady won. So Madden simulation's been been a bit of a rut. They did have the Chiefs over the Niners though in 2019, correct? So maybe that you know maybe that balances us out. I don't That's know. going back a ways though. Yeah, Madden's history uh, with the Super Bowl has been inconsistent. Game also predicted the Patriots to beat the Eagles. Well, who didn't? Um, but it did correctly predict New England to beat Atlanta. Although that looked pretty bad for most of the game. <laughs> I don't think anybody was thinking that was, you know, in the, in the first half that that was a good prediction or even the third quarter. But anyway, so there, there you go. So take that for what it's worth. Madden likes the Chiefs, but, he's, but the video game has been really bad at this lately. So, I don't know. Does that change your feeling about the game at all? 
No. You're not buying in the Madden curse? No, I think there's an octopus that picks the game. I think I'll wait to see what the octopus says. Or the guy's, like, dog, like, which way your dog goes, like the dog food thing. Or, you know, I'll they, tell you what, that dog, a monkey that that dog on it. TikTok that, that hits the balls into the laundry baskets is more accurate than Oh, is that right? Madden. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, look, you got a 50-50 shot to be right. It's a corgi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would think, though, with all the, the mathematical information we have these days, that there would be, like, a better percentage for the simulator, right? Like, they'd do better. Oh, guys complain about their Madden ratings all yeah. the time. They actually have to right. send the Madden people out to training camp to get it right. I saw the Madden guy this year, and he looks like a guy that would be, like, a bouncer at, like, a high-level club in New York. He's huge. He played college football somewhere. Guy's got uh, muscles on top of muscles. And he's got this clipboard. He's walking around and says, Madden. And you should see... The level of schmoozing people do to this guy is incredible. <laughs> I mean, this guy's probably got all kinds of uh, all kinds of freebies and stuff that he's picked up on the road. But I mean, the players are just so inter- interested in meeting him and want to talk sure. to him. Uh, the commander's game was funny because every year there's some some angst over the Madden rating and anger about it. You know, with uh, with things that um, that fall out. You know, like they can't believe you know this guy got shortchanged on this or that. And they all have some opinion on it. It's pretty funny. But they do, to their credit, come out and look at it live, then make the adjustments as the season goes on. Even before the season, the preseason, they do it, which is pretty incredible. It seems like a huge waste of money, but I guess they're making that much money off that video of the game. They could absolutely do that. And everybody and their brother says they're going to stop playing Madden because it's horrible, and then they do it anyway. (laughs) K-Dub says, outside of New England, has a coach being the general manager worked anywhere else not really no not you know and there's always like there's a gray area like was jimmy johnson totally the guy in dallas or you know did rich you know he had other people in the in the front office with him that he trusted and entrusted over those years larry lacewell was a guy that was there i remember hearing a lot about there was other people as well um yeah not really i mean especially now like in the last 20 years. Like, the Belichick thing has worked well for him, right? And until it didn't. (laughs) Right? Until Tom Brady was gone. And these picks just got worse and worse. And what's interesting is, you know, they're they're totally going the opposite direction now. I mean, Gerard Mayo's the new head coach, but he's obviously not going to be the general manager and in charge of all that stuff. They're going to – they're delegating all these things. And, you know, that's – really the modern way to do it you know and teams more and more want to have you know kind of kind of a kind of a group of people Elliot Wolf is the guy that's supposed to be in control of the Patriots roster who has been there for a while and I think he you think he was with the Eagles for a, for a stint as well but he's the guy Matt Groh who has actually had the title is now going to be in charge of college scouting uh, for the team you know, the son of Al Groh for Virginia player too but Elliot Wolf He's apparently going to be the guy post-Belichick that's going to kind of be the head of the structure of the front office um, for them. Elliot Wolf, I'm sorry, was with the Packers, not with the uh, Eagles. It's all the same. Anyway, he was, he's going to be the guy. He's 41 years young, and he will work with Gerard Mayo when it comes to the front office there. But, yeah, I mean, the, the commanders failed miserably with their coach-centric idea with Ron Rivera, which didn't make any sense anyway. And... I would suspect Harbaugh will have a huge say with um, this year's draft, in particular, right? In particular, out there in San Diego, or excuse me, in Los Angeles with the or the Chargers, rather, because he's literally just off the college gridiron. I mean, he should know better than their guys know, 
or as much as their college scouts know. He's certainly going to know more than the coach, any other coach in the NFL who's not watching any college football on, on Saturdays, totally into their own world. We were, I mean, just like we were talking to Ricky Ronnie on Monday, like as a college coach, you can't watch the NFL on Sundays. No. Because you get your own stuff to do, right? Like you might catch a Thursday night game, you know, here and there, but you're not, I mean, you're not sitting down watching the NFL real closely. No. Well, if you're, I guess you could if you're not, in, you know, invested in your job. <laughs> I guess you got like a fantasy team you really care about or something. You could do it, but most coaches are, you know, kind of invested in their own team. So it's very, you know, it's very difficult. But I would, I would say, you know, Joe Ortiz is going to, you know, he's got the title, but I would imagine it'll be a pretty close, uh, you know, a, a, pretty, a pretty tightly, you know, divvied out kind of situation there, especially in the early years with Harbaugh. Remember Harbaugh wanted that too in, in San Francisco before he left. Uh, before that whole relationship went to crap, he wanted control over it. I mean, I understand the whole "Hey, I want control" like the last part of the '53 thing, but as far as like control the draft board, I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for guys that are not scouting every week and doing it. You really have to trust your staff, and I mean, what, if you don't, what's the point of having them there? You could just buy Orlads or Mel Kiper Jr.'s report and go off of that. <laughs> you know, let's give me a name here. Uh, okay, let's pull up his YouTube while we're at it. I mean, what's the point of having the staff, the, the college guys who actually put their blood, sweat, and tears in that every week if you're not listening to them? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think Josh Harris put it best in his presser saying, you know, those are two 80-hour-a-week jobs, and we don't want one guy doing both. And that, to me, is just that's super, super smart because those guys not only have to be in lockstep, but you have to trust your guy to, to what they see to match up to what you want to do on yeah. the field. you got to have that trust between the two of you. So, yeah, I'm, I think that that's just the, the coach-centric thing. I don't know why you'd want to do that anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do. We'll take a timeout. Uh, Wood Sealy's going to join us on the other side. We'll uh, talk about some of these items in college uh, football. Of course, today is also National Signing Day. Uh, around college football. I saw you put out a release earlier. We'll go through some of that with him as well. Scott Jackson, Joe Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're coming to you from Rivers Casino here in Portsmouth, broadcasting live. Virginia's only place for real Vegas-style uh, sports uh, casino gaming. From slots to table games to sports betting, come get in on all the action here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. You are listening to The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are broadcasting today from Rivers Casino, Virginia's only place for real Vegas-style casino gaming, from slots to table games to sports betting. Come on and get in on all the action. All right, uh, our pleasure right now to hit the Valley Who's guest line, bring in Wood Seelig. Wednesdays with Wood, Dr. Wood Seelig, Old Dominion Athletic Director, joins us each and every Wednesday at this time. And uh, good to talk to you. Wood, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Scott, here at Chartway Arena, getting ready for our women's basketball game against Troy at 630. All right, yeah, good night, uh, women's basketball over there. Of course, uh, today's also National Signing Day. I see that uh, Coach Ronnie and the staff have been pretty busy as uh, you guys have uh, locked in a lot of transfers as well as some, some straight-from-high-school players as well. Yeah, we have a good mix of high school graduates coming in with transfers. We have transfers from Power Fives, from some very successful FBS programs. And what I liked when I read the list earlier today is so many of our incoming recruits for next year have played on teams that either competed for or won championships, whether it was high school state championships or conference championships. So we're getting a lot of 
young men who've been playing at a very high level across the country, whether it be high school or college. So I, and we've got a lot of skilled position athletes, and we've got a lot of size, too, which you, know, you can never have enough beef on the front line. So we, I think we filled a lot of our needs this past year. So congratulations to Ricky Ronnie and his staff. They, they've done a great job. And as you know, with the transfer situation, uh, you know, the way I see the transfers going is the NCAA will not put probably any limitations on the number of transfers because the NCAA is so afraid of potential lawsuits. So we're going to have basically unlimited transfers that will only be limited on the back end from academic eligibility standpoint. So in other words, you know, your, your ability to transfer will only be restricted based on how many credit hours you can transfer and what you qualify as academically. So uh, unfortunately, it will not be capped any other way. So you know, with the transfer portal alive and well, you really have to be able to reload each and every season uh, to be best prepared to, to stave off the transfer situation in college athletics. Yeah, and then the never-ending calendar, right? Is it also a, a challenge? We had a chance to talk to, to Coach Ronnie on Monday about that, and how you know, just again, the open-ended nature of it uh, really makes it challenging too for the for the college coaches. It does, it does, and I think there's some national conversation about trying to tweak the different signing periods and moving some of them that are in, in you know late late fall, December time frame, maybe moving them into the second semester. So with, with the transfer situation the way it is, the calendar has to be tweaked to give these coaches any kind of chance of, of a life because right now they're either coaching or on the, road, on the road recruiting, and I just don't know when they're able to really spend some quality time with their family and and yeah, that that's most important, you know, is, is quality of life and your ability to do the work-life balance. Uh, Wood Sealings with us here, Old Dominion Athletic Director here, Scott Jackson Show, uh, Priority Auto Sports Radio, ninety-four point one. We're uh, uh, joined uh, was joining us via the Valley Who's guest line. All right, so this week uh, there's a couple things going on, you know, in terms of the court. You just mentioned the lawsuits there a second ago. A judge decided with the NCAA denying Tennessee's temporary restraining order in the NIL uh, lawsuit request. I understand that might not be the end of that antitrust lawsuit, but uh, I guess for the time being, that's, that was a, was a W for the, for the NCAA? It was, because basically what, what Tennessee was asking, they were asking for there to be no NIL rule or law at all. And, and just, you know, it, it, it's already the wild, wild west, and that would just make it even more so. Uh, about the only stipulations on name, image, and likeness or the collectives that award compensation for student-athletes for their name, image, likeness, for their services, basically, is, is you cannot use that as an incentive to commit to an institution or as an incentive to stay at an institution. You know, now, that, that's, yeah, that's a fine line, you know, because... You're not supposed to make the deal before the student-athlete enrolls. It has to be done after they enroll. So, you know, coaches are are supposed to say things like, well, a student-athlete of your ability, a student-athlete of your caliber at our school might expect to get somewhere in the neighborhood of X, Y, or Z. And, And then not until they enroll in your institution 
are, are the collectives allowed to lock down on the exact monetary amount? But, you know, gosh, you, you know how life operates when you, when you have agents for athletes and, and mom or dad trying to you know, make sure they know what school Y and school X are each offering uh, or what, what, what's on the table. You've you got to know the exact number. So Tennessee is trying to say that, hey, let's just eliminate all the NIL regulations and requirements. And yet, luckily, they, they were not allowed to, to go that way at this point in time. How, how significant is this Dartmouth thing? I've read different kind of interpretations of it, but, but how significant could, could it potentially be? Well, the Dartmouth case, it, 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 it's the National Labor Relations Board, and they voted to allow Dartmouth. Now, Dartmouth is a private school, and the NLRB decision only impacts private institutions. It has no bearing right now on public institutions of higher education, so it does not impact the Old Dominions, the UVAs, the William and Marys. Uh, but what the ruling was, NRLB with Dartmouth, is they are in favor. They ruled that athletes can vote to unionize and which means that they need to be recognized as employees and there needs to be an employee-employer relationship between colleges, athletic departments, and student-athletes. Now, it's still up to the student-athletes to vote on whether or not they want to unionize. So just because they've been allowed to do so doesn't mean that they will, but it gives them at this time the ability to vote to unionize and seek compensation. Now, if you play this all the way through, and if it creeps into the public domain of higher education and actually goes through from conversations that I've had with a number of athletic administrators and conferences around the country, if student athletes become employees and athletic departments and universities are their employers, most of us are not the Alabamas, and the Michigans of the world, and we're not making any money on college athletics. We're barely breaking even. Most of us are losing money on intercollegiate athletics. So if all of a sudden you have to pay student athletes above and beyond any kind of scholarship, name, image, and likeness, cost of attendance, if that goes into effect, what you're going to see is a huge purge of Olympic sports. College athletics will drop soccer, they'll drop lacrosse, they'll drop golf, they'll drop tennis, they'll drop swimming, and they may only keep football and men and women's basketball, and that will not have a Title IX implication, so you won't have to have an equal number of men and women student-athletes if you are paying them. So athletic programs might boil down to three programs, four programs, and that would be it. And, and most of us in college athletics and most student-athletes, when asked, do not want that type of relationship. They don't want the employee-employer relationship between student-athletes and universities and athletic programs. But, but for some reason, there's a group that's trying to lead everyone down that path to establish that relationship between student-athletes and athletic departments as employee-employer yeah, it's interesting because it's, like you said, it seems like there is a, a push for that um, with a, a lot of these uh, situations. But, again, I don't know how realistic, as you say, it is for 
for people that aren't Alabama or Georgia or some of the big market, you know, the big money schools, it doesn't seem like it's feasible to do that. No, and, and where, where it's going now to try and kind of rope in the public schools is there's a lawsuit, Southern Cal and the, the PAC-12 are in, and what, what's being uh, represented there is that universities, colleges belong to athletic conferences. Conferences are private institutions. So these private institutions have a joint relationship with the student-athlete. So whether you're a public school or a private school, the fact that you're a member of a conference, which is a private operation, puts you in the Dartmouth category, meaning that your student-athletes are semi-private anyway, and therefore all public and private higher ed institutions, by virtue of being a member of a conference, should have some type of unionization potential capacity for student-athletes. So that one's playing out out on the West Coast. So that's the one that really might have some weight here uh, before it's all said and done. All right, well, always interesting. Feels like there's one of these stories a week, or two in this case, uh, <laughs> going on. Yeah. Uh, pre- appreciate the insights on it because it uh, is, again, new, new ground for a lot of us. So. Appreciate it, yeah. Wood, as always. Good luck uh, tonight with the uh, women's game. And, of course, uh, Southern Miss and ODU men, uh, 7.30 the airtime tonight here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's right. Yeah, the, men, the women tip off at 6.30 game time. The men tip off at 8 game time. So a uh, big, big uh, doubleheader, quasi-doubleheader, home and on the road. Awesome. All right, thank you, Wood. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you, Scott. Have a good one, too. See you later. All right. Wood, Wood Seelig with us via the Valley Who's guest line. We are here out at uh, Rivers Casino uh, in the uh, Bent Rivers Sportsbook. We'll be here till 7 o'clock. You'll come by and see us. Fabulous dining, live entertainment, real table games, and the latest slot machines. It's all here at Rivers Casino just off I-264 and Victory Boulevard in Portsmouth. Stop by today. Stop by before 7 if you can. Say hello to us. All right. We'll take a break. Coming up next, What's Your Rank Wednesday Super Bowl Edition we are looking for Super Bowl one-hit wonders, and there were a lot of them. Uh, we'll get to those next here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. James Witham's got your sports center.